morning, Emmy. It is evening in your place over there at Pittsburgh. And uh, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lydia. I'm excited to be here. So, Emmy, you run your own recruitment agency now and you specialize in technology recruitment. So maybe walk us through your journey into recruitment and why this is an industry that matters to you. I do. Needlefinder Recruiting is brand new. Um, and my journey has been about six and a half years um, long. So I started first in federal staffing, um, which was really, really interesting. I actually started because my career advisor in college uh, advised me that I might really enjoy recruiting. So I took an internship that uh, turned into a four and a half year long um, stint with Homeland Security, specifically citizenship and immigration services. I really liked it, but I felt that I needed to go see what you know the private sector was about. So I then moved into cybersecurity recruiting at a small managed services provider. I was really, really interested in the technical aspect. So previously, I'd been doing more like immigration lawyers and things at Homeland Security and then moving into um, security and software engineering. I really thrived in that. I really enjoy talking to those types of folks. So I really realized that's where I need to be. But more than that, I really liked the idea of working with a bunch of different partners. So the agency space was the next move for me. So I then moved uh, to a technical agency before starting Needlefinders Recruiting. So that's where I am today. Um, you know, I just really like finding that, you know, missing puzzle piece that an organization is looking for. I get to talk with all sorts of different hiring managers and they get to tell me what they need and how I can fix their problem. And I'm really, really passionate about that. I also see a lot of ways that I can help our industry. I think that there's a lot of unknowns about recruiting. People don't fully understand what agency recruiters do. And I love transparency. So I think it's just an exciting time to be a recruiter and talk about what we do and how we can help candidates and employers. So that's that's why I'm so passionate about recruiting. As you said, you spent a number of years hiring specialists in technology. So what might be some observations you've made in the past couple of years in this field? So I think one thing that really kind of hits home to me there is that Everyone's looking for tech talent. There's not enough tech talent. I think a big issue is employers aren't willing to invest in mentoring and developing entry-level candidates. And that's so important, you know, especially when we talk about diversity and inclusion and you know, building your pipelines to build people up. So that, you know, might be looking at internal uh, candidates that you might have within your own company or how to partner with, you know, different organizations that are working uh, with different individuals and helping them build up their careers. So there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I really think investing in junior talent is really important. I like what you say about building a talent pipeline. And, and that's really important, as you said, about, uh, especially when it comes to diversity in the technology space. So how would you say companies are looking towards diversifying talent in the tech teams? So when they're looking towards diversifying tech talent, I think there's a lot of ways uh, that you know folks are doing this. 
the right way um, and sometimes the wrong way. I think the right way is finding different groups that you can partner with, whether that be Black in cybersecurity or different like historically Black universities that have really great cybersecurity programs. There's really great opportunities to build partnerships. I also think that folks shouldn't be scared of sponsoring visas. You know, there are ways that visas are almost always approved. There are ways that it's more challenging. So if you take a bit of time to research those avenues, there might be ways to get more diversity and that might really help your organization. So try to look into it. It might not always be the easiest, but a lot of times it's worth it for your overall you know, culture. For recruiters, the intent for diversity begins probably at, at uh, ensuring that you've got the right role and also, most importantly, crafting job descriptions that speak to everyone. So what elements should recruiters consider when they strategize around attracting a diverse talent pool? So when you're crafting your job description, I think that, you know, wording is really important. You should write it and then you should ask someone else in your organization to read it. Someone maybe that doesn't look like you, doesn't sound like you. So you can get their perspective of how things look and feel. So, you know, one easy mistake is that maybe you would include a gender, you know, instead of saying like this person will, you say he will. And that's obviously going to be a huge issue. Hmm. But um I also think you should consider, does this position really require that degree that you included in there? Could someone substitute experience instead of the degree? And of course, you know, every job description has to have the EEO statement somewhere on there. But maybe also consider writing a separate statement about what diversity actually means to your organization and how you value that and how you prioritize that and why. Because that's really going to, um, you know, show candidates that you are taking that extra step. Those are great points, Amy. Thanks for sharing. And some companies um, have been known to go out of their way to hire talent who are underrepresented in their workforce. So what might be some tips for recruiters when it comes to interviewing for diversity? So when interviewing, uh, you know, for diversity, I really think you go at it, you know, as you would any other interview, you want to make sure you're polite. And with anyone I get into, you know, a conversation, even like this, I want to make sure that I ask them, you know, how do you pronounce your name? So I make sure I'm not, you know, saying it wrong. And before the interview, you can quickly Google that name and just look up like a YouTube like pronunciation. There's almost every name out there now that you can luckily find. Thank you to the internet. Um, so you can already go in having hopefully an idea. But then the first thing I say is like, hey, and I say that the pronunciation, I think it is, it, did I pronounce it right? And if I'm, so, if I didn't, I'm really sorry about that. And, you know, I don't think anyone is trying to, no one's ever jumped down my throat when I've approached it that way. So you want to, you know, be careful of that stuff. And I also try to, you know, I don't say any pronouns until someone's confirmed their pronouns with me. Or, you know, if I can always ask, like, it's not, you know, I can always say like, hey, uh, you know, I just want to make sure I'm getting your pronouns, right? Or is it, you know, she, her? And you can always, you know, that's a fine thing to say. It's it's best that we kind of make these things less uncomfortable than they are. We all just want to make everyone feel included. And when we're all trying to make people feel included, I don't think that, you know, we should be concerned too much about this type of thing. So what are some actionable steps that leaders and hiring managers can take to ensure diversity and inclusion in the workplace? Some actionable steps, um, you know, sorry, kind of 
going back to what we were talking about before, I think, you know, you really need to make sure that that interview process is not excluding anyone because not everyone performs the same in an interview. Not everyone has English as a first language. Not everyone comes from the same place. Uh, there's neurodiversity where certain people, you know, interview in better ways than other. And you also have to consider the role. Does that role really require, you know, a few hours of conversation or is the role coding and then summarizing via email. If that's the role, then should we really be doing an interview one-on-one -on -one to get there? That's probably not the best way to measure that job. So you kind of have to think like, what are these roles in the job and how can we measure that? And so that way, when we're looking at the workforce, we're not excluding. So I think the, you know, Hiring is just so important. It's so, so important to make sure that that workplace is inclusive. How much progress do you think the technology sector, uh, a sector that you are very comfortable with and you've been, you've been exposed to quite a bit, how much progress do you think the technology sector has made in terms of, of diversity? I think that the technology sector has made a lot of improvements. You know, there's been a lot that's come out, like I, I can think of a couple of things, especially in cybersecurity, mm -hmm. where there has been co conferences, for instance, that weren't inclusive towards women, things were said, and more of these things are being talked about. And because things are being talked about, it doesn't mean that they are now happening, and they weren't happening before. It actually means that we are just kind of uncovering things that we were previously not even speaking about. So I would say we've made a lot of progress forward. You know, you might hear certain things and think like, oh, like things are moving in the wrong direction. We're hearing about all these things. But I would say, actually, it's the opposite. I think when we're talking about things more, that means because we're moving in the right direction and calling things out that shouldn't have been happening in the first place. So you're saying there's there's a far greater rate of acknowledgement to, to mm -hmm. what's been done in the past. And, and there's some actions that, be, that, have, that have been taken to, to counter these things happening in the workplace. Yeah. So we speak and, and read a lot about talent and attracting diverse talent, but also let's talk about talent retention. So what role can a recruiter play to ensure that a positive candidate experience becomes a fulfilling and authentic employee experience? Yeah, so I think first impressions are the most important, making sure that that person, you know, is feeling good. You know, you might think like, oh, this person accepted the job. That means that they're going to have a long, happy career with us. But that's not how employees are thinking anymore. They might just be thinking like, Mm, I need this job right now. I need this pay bump right now. I'll stay a year, maybe even six months, and I will go find another one because this brand has already kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So you shouldn't take them accepting the job as them agreeing to have a career with you. You still have to earn their trust by being a good employer. And that starts at the interview process. And so that's making sure that you respect their time. You know, don't schedule seven interviews if we can do the process in two and make sure that you include this candidate in the process. You know, what if you schedule a whole day long interview, right? But this person, you know, because of their religion needs to pray at certain times and they can't devote a whole day to back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back interviews. So maybe engage with them if that's what your process looks like. So try to include them in everything so it's not a, felt like a dictatorship-type relationship when we can kind of have open communication. That's, you know, much better. What, in your op opinion, might be the role of employer branding in attracting and keeping diverse candidates? 
I think this is kind of a complicated question. It really depends on, you know, what we're talking about. If we're talking about visuals, like who our company is, even podcasts, we want to make sure that not everyone that's in these podcasts or in this, you know, pictures of our employees all look a certain way. You know, if everyone in the picture is white and male, I don't feel like I belong necessarily. And that's obviously not the intent or hopefully not the intent, but you want to kind of think about that. Now, the wrong thing here to do would be to then section off your employees that look a certain way and tell them all they need to take pictures. That would be the wrong way to go. Instead, you should try to, you know, get a diverse group of employees and you know, ask them like, hey, would you want to be included? Maybe some of them will, maybe some of them won't. Um, you know, maybe you could give them gift cards, you know, if they want to be included. Definitely don't make anyone feel forced to be included. It should be like 100% voluntary. Maybe you just send out an email and say like, who wants to be included? And then do it that way. Try to get as many people involved as possible, I would say, because if you're messaging over and over and over again, is only a couple people, it's not going to necessarily feel like your brand. And employee branding um, is, is something that comes authentically from your culture, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, I mean, I, I suppose what you're talking about is, is the communication of what is already inside an organization when you attract and nurture a diverse workforce. So I suppose what you're saying is also that uh, you should let it happen organically and that your employer brand for a diverse workforce should become part of the DNA of the company and not manufactured. Exactly. It shouldn't be manufactured. Like you don't want to show a picture where everyone's having fun and playing lawn games. And it's just like, oh, you've called them all outside to play lawn games for this picture, right? Like you don't want to do that. That would be very fake and it would come off as fake. Everyone would know like, okay, they just rounded up these people and are telling them to play games while we take pictures of them. No, you want an environment where it's like you're playing games and casually you say like, hey, are we good with taking a picture of this for the social media? Okay. If we are great, you know, it's not so much like forced fun to, uh, you know, have these things. Hopefully content can just happen kind of naturally. Jumping on to the pandemic, we are in post-pandemic now, but the past couple of years have, have been rather challenging for everyone. And it's in some ways it's been called the great equalizer because it's affected everybody in pretty much the same way. But what are some of your experiences navigating this, this, this period professionally? I want to say it has affected everyone like, you, you know, we all went through really tough times, but we were, but also it didn't, you know, personally, I didn't have anyone pass away in my life from COVID. Others of your employees, though, did have very close people. So it's something you kind of have to think about. They might still be dealing with the trauma of those deaths. And also, even more than that, women and minority communities were more affected by pay cuts and layoffs than other people. So they might have more distrust of employers now. So it happened to everyone, but it affected everyone differently based on, you know, your socioeconomic status, where you come from, and all of these different things. So you also have to think about it from that lens. And just and because there were so many layoffs and pay cuts across the board, it did cause some distrust and, you know, anxiety. And, you know, if you were someone that furloughed employees and then brought them back, that obviously is going to affect your employee morale. And it it's probably going to take a long time to recover from that as a brand. We spoke a lot about challenges and there are plenty of tools out there in the market, such as ourselves, our our tool in Manatao. So what kind of impact do you think these technologies and tools will have or have on recruitment? Sometimes folks talk about like 
is recruiting going to go away? Because there's this idea that anything that can be automated, right? Like tasks that can be automated will kind of start to phase out. And I do agree that tasks that will be automated will slowly start to phase out. But I think the thing about recruiting is the important part is actually talking to people, not so much the automation. So tools like Manitol that allow me to take all the 20 resumes I got today and just email them all. And then suddenly they're in my system. That's super easy. And that might not sound like a big deal to someone else, but downloading 20 resumes every day and then putting them each into their right job slot, that's that's a lot of work. And so if instead I can take that time and be on a couple more phone calls with candidates, that's the right direction. So recruiting is all about trying to maximize your time talking and engaging with your candidates or, you know, in my case, my clients, uh, my employers to try to make sure that I am understanding what they need and getting the right candidates on the phone. So I think automation is so important in recruiting and we're only going to see more of it, in my opinion. But it doesn't mean that the candidate experience is going to be lessened. You have vast experience, six years more than that, in the recruitment space. So what advice would you give someone who is just starting out in recruitment now? I think the thing that's interesting about my background is that my, I have you know very diverse experience. I have worked in federal staffing. I've worked in private staffing. I've now worked in agency staffing, and I now have my own agency, obviously. Um, so I've done a little bit of recruiting from almost all sides. I mean, I'm definitely missing a lot of sides. There's a lot of different ways to recruit. There's a lot of different industries. I think that's what's so great about recruiting. If you are a recruiter just starting out and maybe you're in one role right now and you're like, hey, I really don't like the way this is done here or I don't like this, maybe try to pinpoint what exactly it is that you don't like about that and try talking to recruiters from other industries and seeing how things are going from their lens. Do they have that pain point that you don't like? Is there a way for you to transition, use these skills you're doing now? I think recruiting is such a diverse, wonderful field. And I would encourage anyone that wants to you know, get into uh, recruiting to reach out to some recruiters like myself. Feel free to reach out to me and uh, just have a casual informational interview about the field. Because I think a lot of people don't understand how great recruiting is and how important it is. So where can they find you, Emmy, if they want to reach out yeah. and get advice? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. So Emmy Dawson, um, or you can go to my website, needlefinderrecruiting.com. Uh, and there's also you know links to our social media there. As I said, we are new. We're only a month new at this point. Uh, so we're still working on our social media and branding. Uh, and if you have any tips for me, feel free to reach out and help me with that because being a business owner is completely new to me and it's going well so far, but I could use the all the help I can get. Thank you very much for your time today, Emmy. Congratulations on setting up your own agency and I wish you all the best. And we have been in conversation with Emmy Dawson, a technology recruiter and a new entrepreneur who has just founded her new uh, recruitment agency called Needle Finder Recruiting based in the US. Stay tuned for more weekly episodes from All In Recruitment. <laughs>